Philippians 4, verse 11. We're going to read all the way down through the end of the chapter in verse 23. And we'll close out this book. Philippians chapter 4, look in verse number 11. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased or low. I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Notwithstanding, you have well done that you did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica you sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all, and abound, and I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice, acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. There are some tremendous verses in this reading right here. That verse right there, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you. Chiefly they are that of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Richard, if you would, take us to the Lord in prayer, please. Amen. In this study in the book of Philippians, we've talked about a study of joy. And remember, this book was written as the Apostle Paul was in prison. And there's a lot of things that he went through and was going through as he wrote this book. But one thing about Paul that I see in my studies is Paul was consistent. In life, there's going to be ups and there's going to be downs. We have to get through those as Christians. And Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is telling us how to get through the ups and downs of life. Now, in chapter 1, we looked at the single mindset. Chapter 2, it was the submissive mindset. Chapter 3 was the spiritual mindset. And then chapter 4, the secure mindset. Paul was not a victim of circumstance. He was a victor over circumstance. When, and I, just think about that. Let that sink in for just a second. And I'm trying to get everything together. We may do, as we start our Sunday nights back, we may do a study in the life of Paul. But he was not a victim of circumstance, but he was a victor over circumstance. In verse 11, he's saying, I can accept all things. In verse 13, he says, I can do all things. In verse 18, he says, I have all things. He didn't have to be pampered or pumped up. Paul was a Christian that had contentment. He was content 
in whatever shape, whatever place he was in. You see, contentment is not complacency. The complacent Christian is unconcerned about others. But the contented Christian has a concern for others. Paul, as we have seen in this book, he loved the church of Philippi. He adored them. He was longing for them. He was trying to help them. So how do we handle life's ups and downs? Number one, we must have a detached life. A detached life. Paul was saying that he was perfectly content with whatever state he was in. Here we see his circumstances. In verse 11, he says, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. That's a verse that's easy to read. It's easy to preach, but it's hard to live. It's very hard to live. He said, whatever state I'm in, I'm going to be content. We see his circumstances. He speaks of his state. That word means circumstances. In verse 12, Paul said, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. In this statement, we get the state of his circumstances. First, he speaks of the circumstances that were abasing. And that word means humble or low. I have it wrote down right above that word in verse 12. I know both how to be Low. I wrote low down because that's what that word means, to be humble, to be low. It sometimes speaks of a river uh, in a time of drought. Paul was saying, I know how to run low. I know how to go through times when everything is low. I know how to be abased. I know how to be humble. But he also speaks of circumstances that were abounding. And that's the opposite of abased. It speaks of a river that's overflowing. You see, as a child, from the studies that I've done, Paul pretty much had anything he wanted. He, he was a, a, a very intelligent young man. He grew up. He was uh, educated under uh, Gamaliel, a very expensive education. He would have to have substantial means to even have that kind of education. But as an adult, he was a Pharisee. The pomp, the circumstance, the prestige. So Paul was saying, I've been at the top and I've been at the bottom. And whatever state I'm in, I will not lose my joy. Here again, it's easy to say. It's easy to read. It's easy to preach. But when you get in that state, when you're in a state to where you're low, you're in a state to where you're not sure what's going on, it's hard to be. But that's the practice. We see his circumstances, but we see his contentment. Paul said in verse 11, again, whatever state I'm in, I'm going to be content. There, there's a, a lot of, of Christians that have never put that into practice. There's a lot of Christians that are content for a while over here at this church. Well, they get mad. Y'all with me? Then they get contented over here at this church. That's not, that, that's not what Paul is saying. There was a cartoon had two fields divided by a fence. Both fields were about the same size. Each had plenty of green and grass. In each field, there was a mule with his head through the fence, eating grass from the other mule's pasture. 
At the bottom of the cartoon, it said discontent. Well, that's many Christians are like, they're like mules. Let's just call it like it is. There's many Christians like mules. They think that pasture's greener over there. They got lights and bells and whistles and all the yeehaws and the howdies and all that stuff. But then they get over there and realize, you know what? That's not me. That's not where I'm supposed to be. A lot of Christians are like this. They're never happy. Never satisfied in life, in church, in whatever it is they do. And Paul was telling, is telling us that we ought to be content. First Timothy 6 6 through 8 says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Do you hear what that said? Godliness with contentment is great gain. The word content Paul used here is a word that was used a lot in that day. It means contained. It means independent of external circumstances. But when Paul declared he was content, he said, I have learned to live a complete detachment from the circumstances of life. It's hard to do. Hard to do. But we are instructed, whatever state we're in, to be content. Be detached. Don't let your circumstances. I don't need to let my circumstances. You don't need to let your circumstances dictate how your day is going to go. There's people get up every morning that have it a whole lot worse than I do. I know this. I, I did some... Uh, the past couple of days, I did a little visiting around uh, with some friends and some family members that I haven't seen in a little while and went and visited one of my old buddies today that he's known me since the day I was born. And he's, he's struggling just with health and just with everything. And I thought, you know what? My little ailments are nothing compared to what he's going through. I went and saw my, my cousin she, she and her, my mom were, were really, really close friends. And she's on oxygen 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I, went and, uh, I was going to go see my aunt, who my uncle had just passed a few months ago, but she wasn't up for a visit because she had hurt her back. She's 90 years old. So I'm thinking, you know what? And then there's my, my pastor. He's fallen three times, cracked some ribs. And I'm, I'm thinking, you know what? My little ailments... Are nothing compared to these. My little ailments are nothing to compare to what some of y'all deal with each and every day. So through the years I have learned, you know what? We need to be content where God has us. We need to be content, not satisfied in our walk with the Lord. We always should want more. Y'all hear me? There's a difference. We always should want more. We always should strive for more. But Paul was telling us to be content with what state we're in. H.A. Ironside, old preacher from days gone by, told of a Christian that asked another Christian how he was getting along. He said, friend, how are you getting along? He replied, oh, fairly well under the circumstances. The other replied, I'm sorry that you are living under the circumstances. The Lord would have us live above the circumstances. Don't, what I, way back when we started this study, we talked about the joy stealers. Worry's one of them. Other people's one of them. The devil's one of them. Traffic's one of them. 
Took me 55 minutes to get from East Ridge to here this afternoon. Be glad when we get to Hickson here in September. Praise the Lord, I have a three-mile drive. But those things can steal our joy. They don't have to, but they do. They do. Don't let circumstances steal your joy. We must also have a dependent life. Look what he said in verse 12. Verse 12, he says, I lost my place. Taking a drink of water just got me all messed up. Y'all used to it by now. I know, I know both how to be abased or low, and I know how to be bound everywhere in all things. I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. In verse 12, he said, everywhere in all things, I'm instructed both to be full and hungry. We have to be dependent. We see the allowance of certain circumstances by God. In verse 11, Paul said he had learned. Say what he said. Not inspective won't, for I have learned. In other words, he's experienced, verse 11. I bet if I went around the room tonight and asked y'all to give me an experience of what verse 11 is saying, y'all could share with me some experiences. We all could. Paul was saying, I have learned in whatsoever state I am to be content. He said, I have learned. The word instructed was a, an expression here that it was given. God had initiated the circumstances in his life. God had appointed and arranged the circumstances in his life. That's what we have to understand. I hear people all the time. Preacher, why am I going through this? I don't know. I, I don't have that answer. There are, there are some preachers that have a whole lot more education than I do, but they, can, they can't answer that either. I don't know why we go through the things we do, but I know there is a purpose. I know there's a reason, and I know that on the other side of it, we'll know. On the other side of it, we'll learn. On the other side of it, we'll understand the reason. As Christians, we forget that there are no accidents. There are no appointments. God allows circumstances that are both abasing and abounding. What did James say in 1 2? My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. And that's talking about trials, that's talking about troubles, ups and downs. Listen to this poem I found. It says, my life is but a weaving between my Lord and me. I cannot choose the colors he worketh steadily. Oftentimes he weaveth sorrow and I in, follow, and I in foolish pride. Forget that he seeth the upper and I the underside. Not till the loom is silent and the shuttle cease to fly shall God unroll the canvas and explain the reason why. The dark threads are needed in the weaver's skillful hand as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he had planned. You remember that song that I helped Morgan sing because she did all the singing. He sees what we don't. All we see is what's ahead of us left or the right or if we look back but we can't see I can't see past that wall but he the Lord Jesus Christ 
watches over us. And how he watches over everybody, I don't know. But he does a pretty good job of me. Because I'm probably one of his worst. And he always has to look out for me. But he sees, Tammy, what I don't. I'm sure Job was thinking, really? You ever just say that? You ever just throw your hands up and say, really? I bet Job thought that. I bet Job thought, really? Here I am serving, doing all the things that I can do. And then my life is falling apart. You ever ask that question? I have. Lord, here I am. I was at our last church and I was bivocational and work was very limited and I was, we were, we were struggling. I remember sitting out in the parking lot in my truck praying, said, God, you've got to open up something. You got to open up something. I've got to go to work. I'd run out of insurance and all these things. And, And it was a rough time. It was a rough time. But just like God always does. He always provides. He always meets our needs and he sees what we don't. Aren't you thankful for that? The the acceptance of certain circumstances from God. This was the secret to Paul's contentment. When I read Paul, when I look at Paul, he didn't really wrestle and struggle with why and why not. I mean, in 2 Corinthians 12... He went to God. He had a thorn in the flesh. Went to him three times. I've had three times a day, just three times. He said, I need this thorn to be removed. God said, and basically God said, no, but my grace is sufficient for thee. So what did Paul say? Did he mope? Did he get on the Oprah Winfrey talk show and whine, get on Facebook and whine? No. He said, you know what? Therefore, will I glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You can read the rest of those verses. And he said, I I take pleasure in all these things. So Paul accepted whatever was given to him. That's hard to do. But Paul sure is a good example of it. Amen. Job, when you look at Job, I've been mentioning Job a lot over the past few weeks. So there'll probably probably be a sermon coming to a pulpit near you about Job. But Job is such a unique study, just a unique thing. When you look at Job, you look at all he had. And some scholars say that was the very first book ever written. Well, not it was. I don't know. I just think it's interesting to think that Job, God said to Satan, have you considered Job? Hmm. Wow. What kind of confidence did God have in Job for him to say, have you considered my servant Job? You can't touch his soul. Thank God when we got saved, that's it. But he said, you know what? All the other things, basically in a weaver phrasing, have at it. There's Job. He lost his kids. He lost all his barns. He lost all of his livestock. And his wife was not supportive. And there he was with boils all over his body, sitting in the ashes. But you know what? Not one time in that book. Yes, Job questioned God. Yes, he did. He asked several questions. But he never 
I don't believe, in my humble opinion, ever doubted God. And then at the end, he had a whole lot more than he started out with. But Job, what a, what a study, what a thought to think of all that he went through. So we must, we must not wrestle. One, here's what Corey Ten Boom said. I was looking for this quote. You know who Corey Ten Boom is? If you've never read the, uh, her book, she was a Jewish girl, the hidden, what's the name of it? I've lost track. It happens. But I've got a copy of it, and it is amazing, the things that she went through in her life, the hidden place. Is that it? Hidden place? Is that about right? Hidden place? Thank you. Hiding place. I was all over it. I saw the sisters back there. I saw y'all had the hiding place. If you want to read it, I have two or three copies. What a tremendous uh, person. But here's what she said of many things she said. Don't wrestle, just nestle. Let that sink in for a second. Don't wrestle with the circumstances. Nestle, accept it, and just see what God's going to do in your life. Just see what God is going to do in your life. You want to live a contented life, we need to be detached, dependent, and thirdly, we must have a dynamic life. Look at verse 13. All this verse is quoted. Uh, football players write it on their heads and all over. It's, it's a great verse. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Now we, we stop. A lot of people say, I can do all things. <laughs> no, I can do all things through Christ which gives me strength. If it wasn't for his strength, we couldn't do anything. Back to Paul in chapter 12, God gave him strength to get through whatever it was he was facing, the thorns in his flesh. We'll have a dynamic life. I can do all things through Christ, which gives me strength. We see the heavenly strength that is available. That word strengthen means to enable. One word, it's translated this way. He infuses his strength in me. We can face whatever life brings us through Christ. Here's where we get in trouble. Here's where I get in trouble. I'm not going to point. I'm going to point this way. Here's where I get in trouble. I got this. I got this. If, if I need you, I'll call you. That's not how we're supposed to be. Prayer should be our first resource, not our last resort. When something happens in your life, when something happens in my life, we've tried to instill it in our kids first thing we got to do is pray the very first thing the very first thing we have to do is pray and when we get in a situation we need to pray and ask the Lord for strength that heavenly strength that is available then there's that human sufficiency that is accomplished Paul tells us that we can face these things we can accept these things we can accept the ups and downs with his strength J.B. Phillips translated verse 13 this way I am ready for anything through the strength of the one who lives within me. You may say, preacher, I, I can't. I, I can't. You're right. Neither can I. But I know a man who can. Whatever it is that we're facing in our life, it doesn't matter what it is. The Lord Jesus will and can help us. 
Aren't you glad of that? I wrote some things down here earlier about where we're at. Paul doesn't say, I can't. That's language and that's pessimism. Paul does not say, I can. That's presumption. Paul says, I can through Christ. That's the language of power. You want the power in your life? You want the power of the Lord in your life? We need to rejoice in our substance. Be thankful for what you got. Be thankful for what you have. There's been many mornings I would get up years and years ago. Get up and go to work and pray. Lord, I hope she starts today. Yes, thank you, Lord. And you get to work. Lord, I hope she starts to get home. I've even prayed, Lord, get me to the job site. Let me get my check. And then let me go home and, or put it in the bank so I can actually get some gas. I, y'all, I've been there. So I know what it's like to think, okay, that gas gauge is way over. God help us. We've all been there. But rejoice in your, in your substance. Be thankful for what you have. Rest in your situation and then realize your strength. We're stronger than what we think. We're stronger than what we think because we serve a God who gives us strength. We serve a God that as hard as it is on that family down there in Mississippi, Sue, we serve a God that can help them. We serve a God that can help them. That hurricane that's, that's come through, our friends that just moved to Jacksonville, they were prepared because it was supposed to come right through there. It just went around them. And she was just, Rachel sent me a text, and Kathy a text. She was just rejoicing that God watched over them. There are some people that went right through it. But you know what? God will protect his children. You know why? Because he loves us. Those little children over here, he loves them. He loves their mamas, he loves their daddies, he loves their grandmoms, he loves their grandpas. He loves them. He loves you. Jesus loves you. And we can do a lot of things through Christ. That's the kicker. If I get up here, and let me tell you, in 30 years of preaching, I have got up behind the pulpit and preached even though the Lord told me not to preach that sermon, told me to preach something else. I said, I got this. I'll handle it today. And what's what we call in the ministry, laying the egg. It was, I remember one time there was one sermon. I don't remember what it was on, but I remember I was going to preach it. And I didn't care what the Lord said. It was terrible. <laughs> I mean, it was awful. It was just terrible. But I know now through the years, okay, Lord, you know what you won't say so I've got to be more submissive. Well, in our life, as we go from day to day, when you make a decision, we try to teach our children whatever decision you make, big or small, talk to the Lord about it. I remember way back, not way back, hadn't been that long ago, but Caleb was, and he may be watching, but Caleb was going to propose to that little girl that we met up in South Dakota. He was, he, was, he was dead set. I mean, he was serious. 
And the only thing I had told him, I said, you know, we'll help you. We'll help you. So he worked all summer, one summer, to buy this ring and all this stuff. And he was dead set. And I remember one time I asked him, I said, son, I've got one question for you. Have you prayed about it? He said, of course I have, Daddy, because you taught me that. You taught me that. And he did, and he prayed, and I think he, I think he got a good one. Because God was all over it. God was in it. God, I mean, who knew that a boy from Georgia and a girl from Maryland would meet in South Dakota and then get married two years ago? <laughs> who, could have, who could have made that up? Who could have drew that up? Who could have made them? Nobody. Because it just stuff like that, only God can make stuff like that happen. Whatever it is you're facing in your life, God knows. God cares. And God loves you.